Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 12, to grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you were with us last week, you know that there was a man who was demon-possessed. And he couldn't see, the Bible says. He couldn't hear. He couldn't speak. Man was demon-possessed. And Jesus touched him. Jesus healed him. And Jesus delivered him. Now, I love that about the Lord. He touches people. He heals people. He delivers people. Now, there were two reactions. If you were with us, you know there were two reactions. There's always different feelings and reactions when it comes to Jesus. Well, there were two reactions. One, the people looked at him and said, you're the son of David. That's a messianic title. Get your pen and your pad out. You're going to need it. You're the son of David, they said, which says that you're God. We believe in you. We believe in your power. And then there was another reaction from the Pharisees. You remember them? They were the religious people. They said, no, he's not the son of David. He's the son of Satan. He's, the, he's Beelzebub. He's the son of Beelzebub. He's the son of Satan. So you had two reactions. And after showing them how ridiculous that was, Jesus then showed them how they were blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Now, of many of the sermons that we preach here at Calvary Chapel, I think this one that we preached last week is one of the most important teachings we have ever had here at Calvary Chapel. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit or the unpardonable sin. What is it and who commits it? It's so important. Don't harden your heart. The Bible says if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you cannot be forgiven in this age nor the age to come. We talked about that. I don't have time to go through it this morning. But they were committing, these Pharisees, they were committing the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit by accusing the work of God and saying that the work of God was done by the work of Satan. And they were hardening their hearts and rejecting Jesus Christ. And even though they had the Messiah in their midst, they refused to believe in him. And now, this morning, Jesus shows them how their words reveal their true nature. Their words reveal the true nature of their hearts. Look at it, if you will, with me. Matthew chapter 12, saints beginning in verse 33. If you're there, say amen. And that was a weak amen. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Much better. In verse 33, either make the tree good or its fruit good or else. Look at that. Or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruits. Brood of vipers. Now, don't you just love that about Jesus? This is the Sunday school Jesus here, y'all. Meek and mild. Brood of vipers. 
He says, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. Notice Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. A tree is known by its fruit. In other words, Jesus is saying to the religious Pharisees, see, they kept going back and forth as to what they thought of him. They kept accusing him and finding ways to trap him. And Jesus is saying simply this. Jesus says, listen, make up your mind about me. Either I'm good and the work that I do is good or I'm evil and the work that I do is evil. A tree is known by its fruit. Now, in your Bibles, you can write this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 17, that probably should sound familiar to you. Good trees, it says, bears good fruit. And bad trees bear bad fruit. You will not see a good tree bearing bad fruit. And vice versa. You will not see a bad tree bearing good fruit. You see, a tree is known by its fruit. You have never seen an apple tree bearing lemons. You have never seen a lemon tree bearing pears. Peach trees produce peaches. Apple trees produce apples. Watermelon trees produce watermelons. What? So you understand. A tree is known by the fruit that it bears. And so Jesus is simply saying this. Jesus says, hey, I have done good works. Jesus has done good works. He has brought healing. He has brought hope. He has brought a message of forgiveness. He has brought a message of faith. And that, my friend, is good fruit. Satan, on the other hand, now remember they were accusing him of doing works by the power of the devil. Keep that in mind. Satan, on the other hand, has brought sin and death and destruction and disease and demon possession. So Jesus' good works were testimony to the fact that he was good and his power was from God. That's what he's saying. I've done good works. I've shown you good fruit. Therefore, my power is from God. Satan has done bad works and he has bad fruit. Therefore, don't confuse it. What I'm doing is not done by the power of Beelzebub. What I am doing is done by the power of God. That's what he's saying. Because a good tree can't produce bad fruit. If you understand, say amen. That's important. Because people are the same. Well, I don't know who to hang out with. Who should I be around? You know, maybe you're in school and I don't know, you know, are my friends good or are they not? Who should I be around? Who should I not? Listen, a bad tree can't produce good fruit. If your friends are bad and they're speaking bad things and evil things, then you shouldn't be around them because they can only produce bad fruit. Well, should I be involved in this business practice? 
I've had people ask me, you know, I'm going into business. Great, great. You're going to business? That's awesome. Yeah. But there's only one thing. What? Well, they're not a Christian. Well, don't do it. Why? Bad fruit. You're going to get bad fruit. Don't do it. Well, I'm going to be in this, this thing or that thing or, you know, whatever it is. I'm going to get in a band. You know, kids are like in the music now. I'm going to get in a band. Yeah, really? Are they Christian? Well, most of the time. Well, whatever. What do you mean? No, 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 no. Bad fruit. A tree is known by the fruit it bears. It's very, very simple. A person speaking evil, you don't want to be around them. Who wants to be around people that speak? You ever, you, we all know people like that. They always you know people like that. They're just negative. They just bad fruit, man. You, you get around them. You go, you know, you're bad fruit, man. I mean, look at you. You're always speaking. You know people like that. They just always speaking negative, always critical. When you're around them, they just a bummer. And you go, I don't want to see even the baby agrees. It said amen. I mean, y'all don't know nothing. Where's the baby? Bring the baby. You know, people just bad for you. And you hang around people that's bad for you, guess what's going to happen? You're going to wind up just like them. The Bible says bad communication corrupts good morals. Isn't that right, Johnny? Bad communication corrupts good morals. In other words, you hang around bad folks, you're going to become just like them. Because a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. It works out practically. That's what I love about Jesus. He's practical. It works out practical in our lives as believers. And then notice Jesus starts calling them names. Did you get that? I don't know if you know, but calling them a brood of vipers is not a good thing. This is not nice talk here. Okay. Jesus says, you brood of vipers. Now, a viper, vipers are deadly. They're deceptive, poisonous snakes that blend in with the sticks. A mother viper would lay a large number of eggs, and when they hatched, she would give birth or hatch a brood of little vipers. So Jesus is calling these guys vipers, a brood of vipers, which destroys that whole nice Jesus Sunday school thing. The one thing I like about Jesus, he wasn't mean to people. He wasn't harsh on people. As a matter of fact, he was mostly harsh with religious people. You ever notice that in the Bible? But when he was harsh, when Jesus spoke, he spoke the truth. And Jesus would put you straight and set you straight. In love, of course. And he calls them a brood of vipers. Now, in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 15, this is fascinating. He also says of them, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much the son of hell as you are. Jesus says, you guys go here and you go there and you try to win one proselyte. And when you do win them, you take them to hell with you. You see, this is what Jesus, this is the problem Jesus has with them. The fact is, is that religious people, the Pharisees, they go out of their way to keep people from God. Jesus doesn't like that. He says to them, he says to these Pharisees, he says, look, you religious people, you're deadly, you're deceptive vipers, and you're leading people to hell with you. Why? Because they're keeping people from God. See, religiosity, we've been talking about this over the last several weeks. Religiosity keeps people from God. 
The Pharisees say, you got to do this, you got to do that, and then you can be right with God. You got to wear this, and you got to wear that, and then you can be right with God. You better tithe. You better tithe. If you don't tithe, God is going to be angry with you, and he's going to come down on your head. Religion, as if if you tithe, makes you any more right with God. Listen, your tithing doesn't make you right with God. And don't misunderstand me. I encourage you to do so. But your tithing does not make you right with God. You see, religion keeps people away from God. Jesus is always getting to the heart. Always. You see, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. He is always getting down to the heart. And he says, you brood of vipers, you're taking people to hell. You're deceptive and your poison is deadly. And by their blasphemous words, it shows their own depravity. Did you get that? Because they were evil, that's all they could speak was evil. So Jesus said, notice in verse 34, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever is in your heart, that's what comes out of your mouth. Proverbs 23.10 says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Whatever. Whatever is in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. We've all known it. We've all heard, talk to people, and they'll say something to you. And then they go, oh, well, that's not what I really meant. That's not true. You meant exactly what you said. You see, Jesus says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if a person's heart is filled with good, they speak good things. If the heart is filled with evil, you will speak evil things. And because your words show what's in your heart, God will judge. Did you get that? Every idle word. Well, now, when the Bible talks about idle words, the Bible is not saying or not talking about some stupid little thing you say or you said or small talk. When the Bible talks about idle words, the Bible is talking about hypocritical language or hypocritical double speak, if you will. Idle words also means using profanity and cursing. Those are the kinds of things when you use hypocritical language or you, you know, you're wanting to use profanity and cursing. It's these kinds of things that God is going to judge. You see, Christians, we shouldn't be cursing. Say amen, even if you don't agree with that, all right? And you know, and I, I gotta be, I've heard Christians using bad language. I, Christians shouldn't be cursing. You don't need to use bad language. Never. You know, I know, how, you know, some of you stomp your foot on the, you know, on the chair and you go, oh, oh blank, 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 you know, oh, man, oh. No, that shouldn't be. Christians shouldn't use bad language because as a Christian, when you become born again, God changes your mind by his word. He also changes your heart. And when your heart is changed and your mind is changed, your language should change. Amen, saints. Christians should not ever be using bad language. You know, I was telling them in the first two services, we knew a lady and um, and uh, and a sweet sister. I mean, she's just sweet as pie. You know what I mean? She's just sweet. And, and sweet as the day is long. And, and she, you know, a Christian sister. And she's out in Southern California. She's not here today. And, uh, but, but sweet sister. And, and I don't think anybody, honestly, I don't think anybody told her that as a Christian, you shouldn't be using bad language. You shouldn't be cursing. 
I don't think anybody told her. And so it was kind of just a part of her natural vocabulary. I mean, we're standing out in church and, you know, in the church parking lot. I mean, you know, outside the children's church, you know what I mean? And she's just talking about common everyday things, maybe, you know, going to dinner or something. She goes, oh, yeah, that restaurant. And it was a great restaurant. We had a great deal and blank and blank, blank, blank. And it was wonderful and blank and blank. And I'm like, well, the first time I heard it, I was standing there with my wife. And, and you know, I, I looked at my wife and, and I thought, well, maybe I misheard her. I mean, you know. <laughs> You know, maybe, you know, could be something wrong with my ears. I mean, maybe she said something and may, I, you know, I misheard her. It had to be, you know what I mean? So I just gave her the benefit of the doubt and didn't say a word. So then we're still talking and she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then blank and the blank, blank, blank. And I can't believe it. Blank and the blank, blank, blank. And I looked at Elvira and said, no, she didn't. I said, did you hear that? Elvira said, yeah. I said, no, she didn't. I said, honey, sweetie, girl, friend. I said, no, 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 Christians shouldn't talk like that. That's not good. Christians shouldn't be using bad language because it's a bad witness unto the Lord. You know, when I first became a Christian, I'll be honest with you. When I first became a Christian, you guys know that I was in the Navy. And the term curse like a sailor, that was me. All right. And, and before, I mean, these are my BC days before Christ. And, 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 you know, when I became a Christian, I'll never forget. I, I got saved on a Saturday night. I went home. I was stationed at Camp Pendleton. I went back to the barracks and got on my knees next to my rack. And I remember asking the Lord to help me with my language. And, and, you know, I was a new Christian, so I didn't really know how to pray. But I just remember saying, you know, God, you know, you know, if you would help me out with this, you know, I'd think, you know, using bad language is probably not a good thing. You know, I'm a new Christian and, you know, I didn't know how to use all the spiritual language. And so I asked God to help me. And from that moment on, I had never, ever felt the need to use bad language again. God took it out of my life just like that. And it was 22 years ago. God will. You don't have to use bad language. God will just take it right out of your life. God, will, if you ask him to, God will just remove it. But Christians, we got to be careful about our language. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to make this heavy. I'm trying to help you. Christians shouldn't use bad language. Even today, I notice in our world today, in our attempt to be relevant, in our attempt, I was talking to my family about this last night, in our attempt to be relevant, in our attempt to reach the lost, our language has largely become just like them. Have you listened to some of the music nowadays? And some of the slang words, and don't misunderstand me, yes, we need to be relevant. No, I'm not saying get religious in your speech. You know, you see somebody in the supermarket, how you doing? And you go, oh, bless the Lord, hallelujah, oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and hallelujah. I'm not saying that. You understand, say amen. I'm not saying get all religious and spiritual. In your language, I'm just simply saying, watch your language and don't allow yourself to become so much like the world that people don't even see a difference. You know, trying to be relevant in some of the music nowadays. I'm talking to my kids and the words that they use in Christian music. This is not good. Jesus says every idle word will be judged. Now notice in verse 38, I got to move on. Then some of the scribes, look at verse 38. Then some of the scribes and the Pharisees answered and they said, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them in verse 39, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given to them except the sign of the prophet Jonah. 
For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up. Fascinating verse. The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, underline this, a greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, underline this, a greater than Solomon is here. Now stop right there. These guys are complete and total hypocrites. Remember back in verse 14, the Pharisees plotted to kill him. They were seeking to destroy him. And now they're saying master. This word master means means teacher. It means Rabboni. It's actually a term of respect. Now they're saying master, we would like to see a sign from you. Now, needless to say, we've already discussed it. They've seen many signs already. Jesus has caused a man to rise from the dead. He cast out demons. He healed a man of his uh, eyesight and his ear. He, he couldn't hear, and Jesus gave him the ability to hear. Jesus has done signs over and over and over again. He's raised the dead, as I said, and now they ask for a sign. He's already given them a sign. How many people do we know that say, you know what? I'll believe in God when he gives me a sign. You ever heard somebody say that? Well, you know, I believe in God. When, and, and some say it, they mockingly say it. You know, I believe in God if he gives me a sign. You know what? If God right now strikes me with, some, with lightning from the sky, then I will believe in God, they say. And I say, Lord, please do it. Please do it right now, God. Do it now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Because people like to mock God. And ask for a sign. When in reality, if he did give them a sign, they wouldn't believe. Signs don't save people. Signs don't even encourage faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, saints, and hearing by the... You know it. You see, your faith comes by hearing the word of God, not by seeing miracles. And so they say, show me a sign. You know what? Jesus never, ever, ever ever search the scriptures, see if these things are so. Jesus never, ever did a miracle or a sign for a skeptic. Never. Jesus doesn't do miracles to satisfy people's idle curiosity. Jesus always does miracles out of love and compassion for people because they need a touch, because they need healing, because they need hope. Jesus does not do miracles as some kind of circus or some kind of show. And notice what he said. He said, I'll give you a miracle. Here's a sign, one sign, and that's the sign he's talking about, the resurrection. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jesus is talking about Jonah and using Jonah as a sign of the resurrection. Now, if you believe in the resurrection and you believe in Jonah, then you are in good company. Because Jesus believed in the historical or the historicity of the character of Jonah. Jesus did. And I believe it. 
As a matter of fact, I've learned much about Jonah and theology from VeggieTales. Have you? <laughs> you can learn a lot. You can get deep theology from VeggieTales. Have you not known this? Jonah was a real person. Jonah, the Bible says, that he was swallowed up by a great whale. Now, we don't know in Hebrew, we don't know what kind of whale that was or what kind of fish it was. Actually, in Hebrew, it says a sea monster. Jonah was swallowed up by a sea monster, and, 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 and he spent three days and three nights in the belly of a sea monster or a belly of a great fish. And after three days and three nights, he was barfed up on the beach, which is next week's title sermon, by the way, barfed up on the beach. After three days and three nights, you've got to come back and hear it. And you say, come on, Rodney. I mean, do you really believe in a man who lived in a fish for three days? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.